All right, if you will turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be back in there again today. Ephesians chapter 1. I know some of y'all probably know today is what they call Sanctity of, Life, of Human Life Sunday. And um, I just realized that light bulb's out above your head, Keith. Add that to your honeydew list. Um, and you probably think I'm going to be like all the other preachers and I'm going to preach on how abortion's bad and, and all that stuff. I don't have to tell you that. You know it is. I'm not going to be like the other preachers. What I want to preach on today is something that takes it a step further. Something that's pretty, pretty close to us, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And, um, and this actually came from Rita, and she doesn't even know it. She's asking for prayer for somebody that's doing foster care um, Wednesday night. And, um, and I just I, we had read some, some scripture in Ephesians last week. And as I went home Wednesday night, I really got thinking about that family and, and what, what today is. So, yes, abortion is bad. Don't do it there. I've said my part for sanctity of life. What I do want to mention is this. There are options after, abor- after you decide to not do the abortion, there is adoption. And that's what I really want to focus on today for just a few minutes is adoption. Not just adoption of a child, but the adoption of us as Christians. That, to me, is one of the greatest benefits that I can imagine when it comes to salvation is being adopted into the kingdom of God, being adopted as one of God's own, being an heir with Jesus Christ when it comes to heaven and all that comes with that. So we're going to just briefly today look at adoptions. I've got a lot of scripture to go with this, and I've got some, I want to try to make it easier because when you read what Paul writes in Ephesians, and when you read what Paul writes in Romans when it comes to adoption, we kind of just breeze through it. We don't understand. There's a a really deep meaning behind adoption, and so I'm going to read you some Roman rules for adoption, and I'm also going to read you a lot of scripture to back up uh, the importance of adoption. Over in uh, uh, Ephesians 1-3 that we read last week, Paul writes that God has blessed the believer with all spiritual blessings. Remember, it wasn't just a few spiritual blessings. It was all, A-L-L. It says, Paul tells us, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, everything. Everything that he has given to us. This is not what the preacher has given you or what the church has handed out to you. It's nothing like that. Everything that we have got, all spiritual blessings came from above. They came from God. Now, he keeps on going over in 5 and 6, and we'll read it here in just a second. But he praises God for blessing us for the blessings of adoption. And as we look at adoption here, you'll understand more about the blessings that come with adoption on both the spiritual side and and the, the physical side of it here, too. Most times adoptions, uh, it results in a, in a child going from a, a bad situation to a good situation. I was talking to, uh, to preacher Bob Garbett yesterday, and, and he has another foster daughter. He just, uh, they just got her Wednesday. And, um, you know, that's it's such a blessing. The child has never been in church. Wednesday night, Wednesday they got her. Wednesday night was the very first time in her life she's ever stepped foot in a sanctuary inside a church. And... The things he told me about this little girl and her first experience with church, just, it made me cry. It just, it was the sweetest thing, the things that, I mean, things that we take for granted. He, she said to him, did you know God made everything? (laughs) Did you know God made everything? 
We know that, but we don't. It's it's not. I don't know how to say it, but it doesn't sound as good to us as Christians as it does to somebody that just for the first time stepped foot in church and learned about Jesus. Did you know God made everything? Those are the sweetest things out of the mouth of babes. Children that are in bad situations are just like sinners. Children that are in bad situations think they have no hope. Children that are in bad situations don't feel like they have any love in their life. They have no parents. They have no, no one to go to. That's the same as us sinners that are not saved yet. As sinners, we have no one to go to. We feel like we have no one to turn to. When things get bad in our lives, we feel like there's nowhere to go. We feel like nobody loves us. But then through the adoption, as a child through adoption, they, they gain a parent. They, they become an heir. They, be, they, they get to experience love for the first time. They get to see and feel this, this, this emotion that they've never had before in their life. That's the same with us when it comes to adoption, uh, when God adopts us. We experience and we feel a love that we have never felt before in our lives. We experience uh, these feelings that we have never imagined in our lives because of God and because of His love. Love does some mighty things in a person's life. These children that don't have a home or have a parent, when they experience love, it changes their attitude. As a Christian, when we receive Christ in our lives and we experience God, we experience a change in our attitude because of the love that He has given each one of us. We know that, that this adoption is supposed to change us and our outlook on life, the adoption uh, as God adopts us. Believers have been welcomed into God's family. Adoption of a child, they have been welcomed into this family. This family doesn't know them. Most of the time, these children have no clue where they're going. As a foster child, who knows where they're going to go? But then through adoption, they get to grow in that family. They become part of that family. Legally, they become heirs. They take on the, 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 all the benefits of that family. They take on any inheritance that might come down at the passing of their parents. They receive it. They receive it. They become an heir. Same with us. As we receive Christ in our hearts, we become heirs. We receive the benefits of heaven. We receive all the goodness, the greatness that Jesus has to offer each one of us. That's what being an heir does for you. It's what being adopted does for you. There was a, a man, he was, he was a drunkard up in Chicago. This is years ago, but he, he was homeless. He had nothing and he drunk himself to death. And one night it's cold, and, and he went into a mission there, a homeless shelter. And in that mission, uh, he, he got to sit and listen to the gospel that night. And as he listened to the gospel, he sat and he ate. And he ate his food. And then at that mission or that homeless shelter, he, he laid down and he went to sleep that night to never wake up again. This man had nothing in his life. He was homeless. He was poor, had nothing. But here's what he didn't know, that he was an heir to a millionaire in England, that the authorities had been looking for this man for years, but he didn't have an address. And his, being an heir, he had $4 million waiting for him in England. 
Had they been able to find him, he would have not been poor anymore. He would not, who knows if he'd have drunk it away or not, but he, he did not know that he was an heir. In the same sense, we as, we as Christians are a lot like that, and even the non-Christians too. Uh, we live in spiritual poverty because we are not fully aware of the wealth that Jesus has given us. We're not aware of all the great things that come with adoption, being adopted into the kingdom of God. Now, Paul's idea of adoption comes from the Roman law and the, and the Roman practice of that day. And I'm going to read it to you because it has been recorded why and how the Romans would do their adoption. And I'm going to read it to you before we get into this, and it makes a lot of this make sense. Under Roman law, the procedure for adoption had two steps. The first step, the son, had to be released from the control of the natural father, this was done by a procedure whereby the father sold him as a slave three times to the adopter. The adopter would release him two times, and he would automatically again come under the father's control. With the third sale, the adoptee was freed from his natural father. Regarding the second step, since the natural father no longer had any authority over him, the adopter became the new father with absolute control over him and he retained this control until the adoptee died or the adopter freed him. The son was not responsible to his natural father, but only to his newly acquired father. The purpose of this adoption was so that the adoptee could take the position of a natural son in order to continue the family line and maintain property ownership. The son, or this son became the head of the family in the next generation. So that will make all this make a lot more sense here in just a second when we read. There, there is there's a legal aspect to adoption. There is a process to adoption. I can't just walk up here and say, Ethan, I want you to be part of my family. I'm going to adopt you, and then you just come with us. It don't work that way. It might. I, Kristen, just the look on her face right now. It might work. I don't know. <laughs> it don't work like that. There's a procedure behind it. Now, we don't have to do this. Travis does not have to sell me Ethan three times, and the third time's a charm, and then he ends up being mine. I hope he don't remember this. It's going to scare this young to death. <laughs> We're gonna, but it doesn't work like that anymore. There is a lengthy process behind adoption now, even foster care. You, the, the court is involved. The state is involved. The county is involved. There are a lot of people involved in the adoption of a child. But in the adoption of a Christian, it's just you and God. He takes you on because of Jesus Christ. He makes you one of his own. No lengthy process. There's no paperwork involved. All the work's been done. It's just you accepting Jesus. If you've got your Bible, stand just a moment. We're going to read two verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 says, Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. God, I just want to come to you today and thank you for my adoption. 
Father God, we want to thank you so much for the sacrifice on the cross to make a way for us to, to come in and be a part of your family. Father, we want to thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, for the life that he lived, for the love that he showed, for the preaching that he did. Lord, for the, all that he done for those here on earth. But Lord, most importantly, I want to thank him for what he's done for me. And God, I pray today as we look at this process behind becoming an heir to the throne of, of heaven. God, I pray each person here knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are an heir, that they will, that they will receive great rewards when it's their time. And God, I pray today that you would be with those that are struggling. Father, we do want to lift up and continue to lift up all those parents in this world right now, Lord, that are, that are taking on foster kids or that feel it on their heart to adopt these, these children that haven't experienced or felt love in their life. Lord, I pray that you continue to bring them forward. God, I pray that you would continue to use these godly parents. And Father, for t those that are continuing to grieve, God, I pray that you'd bless them. For those that are sick, God, I just pray that you would touch them, heal them. God, speak to them, comfort them in a way that they've never experienced. We thank you for this church, those that make it up, and I pray, God, you just bless our time together today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, verses uh, 5 and 6, we're going to find four things about the believer's adoption. There's, there's a lot more to it. Actually, I came up with about eight or nine, but I just want to break it down to about four today that I want you to look at with me about this adoption, this believer's Adoption. And the first thing is our adoption makes God our Father and His heirs. And I've said this before. He, he makes us heirs with Jesus Christ. God the Father, because Jesus is the Son, that makes Him our brother and God the Father, and we are joint heirs. Joint heirs. Now, there's different ways that you can inherit things. If you've got a large family, you can distribute it evenly across the board. You can do it. I don't, you can do all kinds of things so that the family can either have equal shares of whatever that person owns or they can pick. One person can get a house. One person can get the land. One person can get the barn. One person can get the trucks. I want to be the person that gets the guns. But it's all divvied out different ways. There are different ways to do it. But as children of God, with him being our father and with Christ being our joint heir, being our, uh, our, our brother, that makes us joint heirs. So it's equal across the board. Whatever Jesus receives, I receive. Whatever Mike receives, I receive. It's equal. Whatever James receives, we receive. We're all equal across the board. It's not that Mike is going to get the, the cattle on a thousand hills because he's a farmer. And it's not that James, I don't know what James would get. I think about that one. It, it, it doesn't matter. We're joint heirs. So it's equal. When we get there, it is across the board equal. Because he loves us equally. He loves us equally. He doesn't love Jerry more than he loves me because Jerry knows more about trains than I do. That's not how he loves. He doesn't love Travis more than he loves me because Travis knows more about beagles than I do. It's not the way he works. He loves us 100% equally. And so we're joint heirs when we get to heaven. 
we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that we are adopted as sons. And I don't want you women to feel left out of, with, from this right here, all right? Because I want to explain to you what this means. There is a reason that our Bible uses sons. There's a reason why Paul said sons. Now, there's other translations that come out after the King James, and they have changed it. And it's wrong. It's wrong. I promise you that. It's wrong. Paul refers to all believers, both male and female, as sons. Why would he do something like that? Again, he's going back after the Roman method of adoption. And I'm going to read it to you again. It says, A legal practice by which the father of a family accepted as his heir a male child who was not his own. Paul calls us all sons because all, whether you're a male or a female, are given the same privileges and positions in God's kingdom. Sons and daughters were all equal. We are children of the king. So it makes us all equal. There is not a lower level or a higher level for the males or the females. There's not a, a corner of heaven for the boys and a corner for the girls. It's not like the synagogues back in the Jewish day where the girls went in one side and they worshipped and the men went in the other side, or the boys went in the other side and they, they worshipped or they learned. It doesn't work like that. Or the, 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 the Mennonite church, I don't think y'all went. Abby, you and y'all didn't go with me and Dad to the Mennonite church in Ohio, did you? It's, when you walk in, all the women and the children went to the left, all the men went to the right. That's not how you enter the gates of heaven. All right, we're not going to go in and split out because we're equal heirs. We're going to the same place. We're going to sit at the same table. We're going to serve and we're going to work and we're going to, we're going to do all these things in heaven. We're going to worship in heaven together because we are joint heirs. In chapter 2 of, of, of Ephesians, Paul writes that we are or we were once the children of disobedience. And then in, in verse 3, he says that we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others were children. We who were slaves. And that was us. Remember, we was born into that bondage. We were born slaves. We're born sinners. Remember that. But we're now sons of God. As we have accepted him into our lives, that makes us a son. He has adopted us into the kingdom. Romans eight fourteen says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to, in, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy God. That's what that means. Abba, Father. Abba is Daddy. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs, there it is, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. That's that last little part right there. That's the important part. The whole thing is important. But it is together. I love that word, together. When we go no matter what we do on this earth, as long as we're saved by God's grace, we're going to enter into heaven together. We're going to worship together. That verse right there again at the very end says that we may also be glorified together. I love it. Now, Paul keeps writing over in Galatians 4, 4. He says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth the Son, 
made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Did you catch all that right there at the very beginning? He's talking about the virgin birth right there. It had to happen. He is telling us it had to happen this way. There had to be a mother involved. Mary, there had to be a birth involved, that virgin birth. He keeps going here. He says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, here it is again, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, I love it, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Ain't that exciting stuff? I mean, that's, that, that should be encouraging to each one of us today. That no matter what happens here as a son of God, as a child of the king, no matter what happens here on earth, when we get to heaven, it will be worth it all. When we get to heaven, we will enjoy, we'll be in the company of God, we'll be in the company of Jesus Christ, we're going to be in the company of our friends and family, our loved ones that have gone on before us, because they've gone on before us, but we're still joint heirs. Just because they got there before we did doesn't mean that they're going to get the best stuff. Doesn't mean that because they got there, all the crowns and the jewels that are all nice and pretty and shiny, that they're going to get those before we get them. No, it doesn't mean that. They're just there before us. They've gone on before us. When we get there, we're still going to get equal. Everything's going to be equal. Everything we get and gain is going to be equal across the board. It's all going to be the same because we are joint heirs of God through Jesus Christ. We went from having nothing to being an heir to everything. As a lost sinner, you got nothing. As somebody that ain't got Jesus in your life, you don't have a thing. But when you accept Jesus, you have everything. You've got it all. Might not feel like it sometimes, but you have it all. Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, 1.11, he says, In whom also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Paul's eat up with this. Paul knows it. He understands it. He understands the significance of an adoption. He understood the significance on the, the earthly side of it. He knew how important it was in the benefits of an earthly adoption. But he also knew the importance of a heavenly adoption as well. That's why he put it together. He, he wrote it in a way that we could understand it and make it make sense. It's deep. The second thing is our adoption was possible only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. Now, John writes this. He's telling us we're adopted through Christ. He says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then, again, Paul's out there writing, he says in, in Galatians 3, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. All. Now, he's not saying every single human being that's ever walked the face of the earth, will walk the face of the earth, is going to heaven, and they're all joint heirs. That's not what he's telling us. He's telling us all that have received Christ, all of us that have become believers in Jesus Christ, that all is the ones that will be a joint heir, that will receive 
the things in heaven that he's talking about. It is only those that believe in God. It is only those that have put their faith and trust in Christ. It is only those. That's the all that he's talking about right here. And without that virgin birth, there would be no adoption. I promise you that. Without the virgin birth, no adoption. Without the crucifixion on the cross, there'd be no adoption. Here's the big one. Without the resurrection, there would be no adoption. See, Jesus had to do it. Jesus had to do it. We are adopted because of Christ. Without him, there would be no adoption. Thirdly, our adoption brings God great joy. I don't know if y'all remember this a couple months ago when we watched the video of the, the Cook family uh, and their, the adoption story and the foster story that they talked about. But one of the things that, that I remember the most about that is the emotion. I remember the mom getting emotional talking about it. The dad got a little choked up too. But it's not just that emotion. It was the smile on the child's face, both of the girls, the adopted children. It's important. It's important to have that type of emotion. It's, it's, it brings great joy to God's heart when another one is adopted into the family. When these children are adopted into these earthly families, it brings great joy to those new parents. It brings probably even greater joy to that child because they're experiencing something for the first time. Several things for the first time. A stable family, love, support, nourishment. There's all these things that these children are experiencing for the very first time that we too as being adopted into the kingdom, we're experiencing too. And it brings great joy. The Bible tells us right here that according to the good will, or I'm sorry, the good pleasure of his will. According to the good pleasure of his will. That's joy. Just like at adoption here on the on the human side, same thing with God. It brings him great joy. In the beginning, God had a plan for those that would believe. In the beginning, all the way back when it first started, he had a great plan for us. Every one of us. Now, I don't want y'all to get confused because we keep reading about being predestined. I'm not talking about that. All right? I don't believe that. What I'm telling you right here is that he had, he had a plan for each one of us. Would he love for every one of us to be saved and, 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 and be a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But he leaves it up to you. Paul says over in Romans 8, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Among many brethren. For I know the thoughts I have towards you. He knows us. He, know, he knew us in the womb. He knew us before we was formed. He knows who we are. And he loves us greatly. And he would love to make you an heir to the kingdom. Number four, lastly, our adoption means God deserves our praise. 
Now, on the human side of it, I guess the child, if they know if they're at a certain age, they could praise, they could, they could thank these new parents that they have for what they've done. It's a great sacrifice to become a, an adopted parent. There are sacrifices you have to make, and it can be an expensive thing too, which I think is a shame. Uh, I know that um, is Chris Johnson still over at Samaritan's Purse. You know him. I, I don't know. Chris has got, and his wife, they've got several kids. They've got a whole parcel of kids. I mean, I think they got seven or seven to eight, nine, something like that, but most of them have been adopted. But he doesn't just adopt a child. He goes to other countries, and he, adopt, he and his wife adopt children with disability, disabilities. Um, one of the ones that he got while I was there, that they went to, I believe it was China, and he was blind. I mean, it's just, it's, it was an ordeal, and it's expensive. It, it costs quite a bit. That's the earthly side of it. The heavenly side of it, it was pretty costly as well. It cost a man his life. It cost Jesus his life on the cross. And we owe him praise for that. We should thank him for that. The Bible says we were adopted, and it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Our adoption proves that God is full of love for each one of us. That's love. People don't just randomly run out and just adopt a youngin. That's just not what you do. They do it out of love. If you don't have love in your heart, I don't know why in the world you try to adopt it, a youngin. But God loves us, and that's proof. Now, go back into Genesis. The very first time that you see the word love in, Gen in, in the Bible in the Old Testament is Genesis 22 too. Can you believe that? 22 verses into it. 22 chapters into the Bible before you first see love. And it's the verse where God's speaking to Abraham. He says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Mor Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. But in the end, we know the story, how it ends. Abraham discovered this was only a test. And Isaac was spared. Now, we're going to go into the New Testament. It takes a while for love to be mentioned in the New Testament. And over in Matthew chapter 3, it's just three chapters this time, but still, it took a little while for the first time for love to be seen. And in that verse, when you read this verse, I want you to hear it as if God is speaking because He is. You heard it coming from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The first time we hear the mention of love in the New Testament is God speaking. But the first time we hear the mention of love in the Old Testament, it was God speaking. Both times, it was God speaking. That's love. That's what love looks like. My beloved son, he says, I love that. What Abraham was asked to do, God has done. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. But then in the end, God provided. God provided for us through the sacrifice of his son. He offered his only son 
as a sacrifice for our sins. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall, we, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jesus suffered so that we could be blessed. Jesus suffered on that cross so that we could receive all spiritual blessings. He suffered so that we could be adopted. He suffered. He suffered. God suffered. God, God gave his only begotten son. That hurt. I think what hurt worse is when he had to turn his back when he was crucified. That hurt. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love that the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. We have been blessed in the beloved, and the beloved is Jesus. Been blessed in the beloved. And just remember, the beloved is Jesus. Oh, that love. Since we're in Christ, we are God's beloved sons and daughters. And with that, we should be, we should be doing something that it's hard to do. And that's imitating Jesus. We should be more like Jesus. Every single day, he's wanting us to be more and more like him. To love more. To be, to be more humble. To be more compassionate. All the things that Jesus is, is what we should try to be. And it's tough. Paul wrote over in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. God loves us, and we should love one another. That's, that's, that's what we've been told. That's what Jesus told us to do. He loves us, and we are to love one another. Bad as it might hurt, sometimes he said, just love one another. Enemies and all, love them all. Ephesians has a lot to say about love and other members of God's family. A lot. And we won't get into all of them, but I, I, the ones that I, I, I just sat there last or yesterday evening, and I just wrote down a few of them that I thought were pretty good. And this is just in Ephesians. But if, uh, Paul's telling us in Ephesians that we are to bear one another in love. And then he tells us that we are to speak the truth in love. And then he tells us that we are to build up one another in love. And then he says, We are to be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And the last one, and this is for us husbands, you are to love your wives and to love them as ourselves. So we know that adoption on the human side takes love and then we're, we know it's pretty obvious right now that adoption on the heavenly side it took love it took sacrifice that's what adoption is love and sacrifice and I'm thankful for my adoption I'm thankful for what he's done for me you can stand for just a moment we're going to close out The adoption process here on earth 
is a pain. Well, I remember when we went through the MAPS class and they got to telling us all the things that it took just to foster and then all the other steps that it would take to, to adopt. It actually turned people away. It was so lengthy and so tedious. I wish it was just as easy as being adopted into the, heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven. Believe. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess your sins. You're adopted. Don't work that way here on earth. But I'm thankful that our adoption process is simple. I'm thankful that salvation is simple. And I'm thankful that Jesus made it that way. Very thankful he made it that way. Jonathan, would you dismiss us?